happy, but I believe that the Spirit of the Lord. Some of you people in this building tonight, you're asking the Lord that question. Father, glorify yourself in me. It's a sobering question to ask the Lord. It might come through many trials. It might come through pain. But if you sincerely ask God tonight to glorify himself in you, even through your life, I guarantee you every moment will have been worth it. I always question the Lord. I said, Father, why are there not many books written about the trials and struggles that men of God led around and women of God went through? Some time ago, the Spirit of the Lord made a difference and not even relevant. What we suffer, what we go through for God is not even relevant. What's irrelevant is that our lives are glorify the Father, amen? That our lives would glorify the King. So as we sing that quietly a couple more times, it's worth it, amen? It's worth it. I tell you, it's worth it to see me. Sometimes, like our sister preached this morning, we don't know where to turn. We don't know if we should walk or we should run or we should stand still. But when we crawl alone in that closet with God, when we get alone in the war room with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, sometimes we come. I don't know why I'm saying this today. I was in my grads last year, and I got attacked in a powerful way. So much so that I couldn't even get my breath. And I walked into my home and I was hyperventilating my wife what's wrong. I said, I don't know. I said, I can't share it with you, but I've just been attacked by the enemy's camp. She said, why didn't you go up and lay down? And I went upstairs and I laid in my bed. And I just began to worship the Lord. And I began to feel the infusion power of the Holy Ghost coming upon my life. I didn't know how the situation was going to turn out. But oh, the trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I tell you, it's worth it. I tell you tonight, it's worth it. It's worth it tonight, amen. Glorify your life, oh God, through us, I pray in the name of Jesus. Father,
Yeah. 
you would, or really soon as the pastor's coming. But uh, myself and Brother Scott and Brother Keith are going to Mount Pearl on the Avalon this week for a men's conference we'll be gone through the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Where three of us are deeply involved with this men's conference. We're hoping for a shift on the Avalon, amen? So I will cover your prayers. I will cover your prayers over the three of us and the men, the other men that are involved. But we will represent our assembly, amen? And we will represent it good in a godly way. Jesus fighting me. All the praises. The
And we're praying that God would minister in his body and bring down this high tent that he is currently dealing with this evening. How many of you have an unspoken request in your We're thankful that we can bow together and let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the awesome privilege that we have to come to you in prayer. We're thankful, oh God, that you are concerned about every aspect of our lives. We are thankful that there is no need that is too small and there is no need that is too big. We're thankful, oh God, that we can come yes, to you Lord. as the all-sufficient one, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. We're thankful that your word says that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that you never yes. change. This is why we come this evening, oh God, casting our cares upon you, knowing that you care for us. And we pray for every request that was mentioned over this pulpit this morning. We pray for the needs this evening, oh God. You know each one. And I pray by your almighty power that you would minister in situations that seem impossible. We pray for Jake tonight, oh God, his child. I pray right now in that hospital bed for a miracle, oh God. And we believe tonight that you can touch his little body and you can make him every withhold and we claim that promise of healing over his life. I pray, oh God, for every person tonight who has raised a hand in this auditorium, you know the need. You know their hearts. You know what troubles them. Father, right now I pray for peace of mind. I pray, oh God, for physical healings. I pray, Lord, for deliverance from mental addictions. I pray for family needs and marriage problems. I pray for financial needs. The list is endless. But we're thankful, oh God, that your love never fails and it goes on forever. Now I pray that your word would breathe life into us. Change us, that it would challenge us. I pray that your word would be rooted deep in our hearts and we will leave this building tonight with a greater desire to be like you. Yes, Father, we pray that you would speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Do you believe God answers prayer? Amen. Amen. We believe because we've experienced it. Thank God that he's with us every moment of every day. We've been praying for our home missions pastor and his family from Rocky Harbor. And Pastor Ryan Ball, they lost a little baby girl, Taylor, yesterday. We want you to pray for God's peace to continue to sustain them during this moment in their lives. And that they need your prayers and your support in the service. Will be on Thursday at 2 o'clock from Jubilee Pentecostal Temple in Bobwood with a private family internment afterwards in Lawrenceton, where Ashley is originally from. But we want to remember them in prayer and support them in the days to come. And I know that you will, and God will bless you for it. God still answers prayer. We still believe His Word. We still stand in Him. Believing that what he said is so. We thank God today for his presence, his peace, and his power in our lives. Amen. Good to have Aunt Verna Moulton back with us. And uh, just before she left, she came to the altar to, and went away for the winter, and to have a prayer cloth anointed for her son, who has been very ill. And uh, my wife went down and prayed with her the noise of the prayer cloth. 
and also prayed with Aunt Myrna. Well, she reports today that for years she's been a diabetic, but at that altar in October, God healed her of diabetes and she hasn't taken any medication since. Amen. Aunt Myrna, stand up so everyone can see you tonight. Stand up, show how pretty you are. Don't God bless you. Amen. Aren't you glad for what God has done? Amen. God still heals. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise All gone after 60 years. Praise God. God is good. We knew her grandmother quite well. Any of you remember Aunt Tad? Originally from Deer Lake, but lived in Cornerbrook. And she was a pillar of the faith. And if you read their history, We'll know that she was healed in 1926 when the preachers came here. And it was her healing that certainly brought the foundation of the church. Praise God. God is good. This afternoon, yes. We're beginning to read at verse 1. Let's stand, shall we, in reverence for the reading of his holy and his precious word. 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning to read at verse 1. And Elijah the Tishabite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get up from here, and turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, that I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, and he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh or meat, in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it came to pass, after a while, that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zephyrah, which belongeth to the Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman, and she will sustain you. So he arose and went to the gate of the city, and behold, the widow woman came to the gate of the city. And she was gathering some sticks, and he called to her, and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel, that I might have a drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. 
She said, As the Lord liveth, I have not a cake, but I have only a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. Behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, and we may eat it, and then we will die. Elijah said unto her, Fear not, and go, do as I have said, and make me a little cake first, to bring it to me, and make for you and after for you and your son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The meal of the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she said to, and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which was spoke by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things, that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, felt, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore, that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Are you come to call me to my sin to remembrance, and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me your son. And he took him out of her bosom, carried him up to the loft where he abode, and laid upon his own bed. He cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, thou hast brought evil upon the widow which I have stayed with by slaying her son. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, I pray that let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and then he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Our text verse is in verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The title of the message tonight is When the Brook dries up. Heavenly Father, I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart might be acceptable in thy sight. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Elisha the Tishabite suddenly appears on the scene and then leaves as quickly as he came only to reappear three years later to challenge the priests of Baal. His name, Elijah, means the Lord, Jehovah, is my God. He was a man of conviction. He was a man of commitment. He was a man of prayer. And he turned the whole country upside down for God. During the wicked days of King Ahab, he had permitted his wife, the wicked Jezebel. He had permitted her to allow Baal to be the worship in the land. And those who had once known God were now turned over to Baal worship. And the land was corrupt. And the religion was defiled. And there was sin abounding in the land. Baal was the fertility God who sent rain and bountiful crops and so they declared 
But here we see King Ahab yielded to the desires of Jezebel and even built her a private temple so that she might worship the God that she had chosen. But here in this text today is an exciting story about the man of God in the moments in his life, how God was able to use him, to sustain him, to strengthen him, and to turn his life 180 degree turn. Because when God starts something, God finishes it. When God starts something, God finishes it. Today, we serve a God of the impossible. As we heard this morning, there is nothing impossible with God. Here is Elijah. The Jewish people depended upon the rains. They needed the rains. If the rains didn't come, there were no crops. So therefore, it was paramount that the rains would come so that they might have a livelihood. The Jewish people knew that in March and April, there would be a famine in the land if there had not been rain. They knew that the blessings that they were enjoying came because of the blessings of God. Here we see the prophet of the Lord as he appears to the king and tells him because of their sin and their disobedience to God, there is a famine in the land. Let me say tonight, nobody can defile God and not expect the judgment of God to fall upon them. The fact of the matter is, Franklin Graham, the son of famous evangelist Billy Graham said, man will either experience judgment here or in eternity for defiling God, his word, and his precepts. We believe that today. And here in the land of Elijah was a land that had gone corrupt. They seemed to forget God. They seemed to forget what God had promised. And their disobedience brought discipline in the land as they were paying for their sins. God had held back the rain because of the fervent prayers of Elijah. And he would send the rain again in response to his servant's intercession. And for these years, between now and Mount Carmel, God was speaking into the life of a man that God loved. Now I want to remind you today, some of you are here, and we heard it this morning, my wife and I, nor do the pastoral staff ever look at our notes. We don't know where God is leading us, but I just want to tell you, I know God is faithful. But some of you are here tonight, and I speak with authority in my voice that there are people here, and you feel that you don't know where you are, or if God knows where you are. Well, I have a message for you today. That it doesn't matter if your marriage is crumbling. It doesn't matter if you're struggling with your family. You're finances or your health. There is one in heaven who knows you by name. Who knows the circumstance of your life. And the Bible says our names are engraved upon the palms of his hands. Pastor, do God really know where I am? I'm here to tell you he knows where you are. Some years ago an evangelist wrote me. And he asked me for money. Little did he know I had none. <laughs> but he asked me for a certain amount of money. God bless his heart. And he said, if you send me this amount of money, he said, I'll tell God where you are. <laughs> Guess what? I wrote him back. But I never put no check in. I gave him the missions instead. But I wrote him back. And I 
said to him in the letter, thank you, sir, but I don't need to send you money to tell my God where I am. For God knows who I am, where I am, and what I need. He is the all-sufficient, all-knowing, all-powerful God that reaches down into humanity and touches their lives. That's the God that I serve. Therefore, whatever we're going through today, Whatever struggles are in your mind, there are people in this service, hear me now. Some of you are struggling in your mind. You're struggling with depression. You're struggling with self-worth. You're struggling wondering if you're going to make it through tomorrow. How are you going to do this? And how are you going to do that? Well, I want you to know today that the same God who knew where Elijah was knows where you are today. You are not alone. But the Bible says he will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us, but he is the God and forever with us. Hebrews chapter 13 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Number one tonight, I want to talk about the provision, the provisions of God. Verses 4 to 6, at this brook, Cherith, Elijah had safety and sustenance. This was a great hiding place from the evil plans of Jezebel. There was a wicked queen that would have liked to have destroyed the life of Elijah. But God brought him to the brook and said, don't worry about Jezebel. I'm going to hide you in my pavilion. That's why today, listen to me church, some of you won't agree with me. But you know what? I'm not too worried about the devil. I knew you wouldn't say that. I'm not too worried about the devil. Do you know what? In Pentecostal churches, we've given more glory to the devil than we have to the Lord. Amen. And one old fellow testified, he said, the devil been after me all week, praise his holy name, I love him so. <laughs> and we know what he meant. But hear me, we're going around, we're frightened to death. The Bible says he goes around as a rolling lion. But the Bible also says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Says he has spoiled powers and principalities and made a show of them openly. Therefore, today there's victory in my step because I know the Lord. Even in moments when Jezebel is coming after me, there's a river that maketh glad the city of God. There's a river where God brings me to and sustains me. Have you ever been there? Have you ever wondered? You're at the river. The Lord had a special hiding place for his servant by a brook east of the Jordan. And he also had some unusual servants to feed him. Just imagine, what kind of servants did he have to feed him? You see, the Lord provided the food and the birds provided the transportation. Now, I don't know if you like crows or not. The other day I came into the parsonage and there was this big crow there. And then I thought about where God was leading us tonight. And I thought, I don't think I'd want that crow to bring me bread and meat. Now some of you think McDonald's created the hamburger. Well guess what? McDonald's didn't create the hamburger, God did. And God said to the ravens, I want you to bring, I want you to bring bread and meat to the prophet of God. He's by a river. He has no access to food. He has no oven to bake in. So I want you to bring him bread. And I want you to bring him meat. Just imagine. Elijah would get up in the morning and he'd hear a noise. 
We got used to it now. The first few weeks we were here, I'd hear every plane that passed over the parsonage. First I thought the parsonage was going to come off the foundation. Now I'm more used to it. But I can imagine Elijah's by the river. He's at a five-star resort. And he's lying back. All of a sudden he hears a noise. And up over him are the ravens. And the raven brings down the bread and brings down the meats. You're here today and you say, Pastor, God doesn't care about me. God will send ravens. He'll use whatever possible to meet you at your point of need. And to let you know you're not alone. But there is one that is with you. Just imagine. Look up in the sky and see the ravens bringing you something. That's the type of God I serve. When my wife and I started dating Peterborough, Ontario, we went for a walk down in the park. And I tried to be right romantic. <laughs> I hear <hair> man. <laughs> I tried to be right romantic, took her hand. Didn't know how to be romantic, but anyway, I tried to be. I looked up in the sky. After a while, I said to her, is this a beautiful day? She said, yes. I said, look at the beautiful falling star. She never responded. Five minutes later, she said, by the way, that's not a falling star, it's a plane. <laughs> You look up in the sky and you say, I'm by the brook. Where am I going to get my food? God says, I'm going to provide for you. David said in Psalms 37, he said, I've been young. Now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Hear me today. I've been serving the Lord and he's never failed me and he never will fail me. He's never forsaken me and he never will forsake me. He is El Shaddai, the God of all plenty. Oh, Philippians chapter 4 19. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What a message today. We are being sustained by the provider of life. We see from this story a number of facts that we need to look at. God will provide. And it may come from the source that we least expect. God sees our situation and understands us like none other. And God will forsake those, will never forsake those that trust in Him and serve Him. What a message today that God provides everything around us. Can you imagine now by this brook? It was easy for Him to get discouraged. It was easy for him to feel lonely. It was easy for him to feel that there was nobody understood him. But by the river, God provided his daily needs and met him right where he was. You're here tonight. Here this Pentecostal preacher. God knows where you are. God knows your name. God knows your need. God knows your family. And God will not forsake you. Pastor, do you really believe that? I have proven it over and over and over again. The promises of God are yes and amen. Moving on this evening. We see the problems of life. Verse 7. Can you imagine now he's by the brook? Imagine. Fresh water flowing every day. When he wants 
something to eat. God sends the ravens. How better can you have it? At a resort that is operated and owned by God himself. Wonderful. Can I get any better? I don't know that the text don't tell us. I don't know if Elijah recognized the brook was starting to dry up or not. But the Bible says that the day came here in verse 7, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up and there had been no rain in the land. Now this tests our faith. If God cared about you enough to send the ravens, why would God allow the river to dry up? Well, I'm going to say something tonight. Some of you can get back with me if you wish. I'm glad that some of you have trouble. <laughs> you know why? Because you trust God. And if you didn't go through some hard times, you'd be so proud that you didn't get in through the church door because your head is You hear me? But I like that. When we come to the end of it, and we recognize it is not in my education, it is not in my intelligence, it is not in my wealth, it is not in my power, it is not in my prestige. There is only one answer for the situations in my life, and that is total dependence upon the Lord. And nobody else do I depend upon today but the Lord. There is absolutely nobody else. Some of us, not a dear thing, of course, but some of us are trusting the provision instead of the provider. God's got to teach us a lesson. I'll let the brook flow and I'll send the ravens with bread and meat. But I want you to know you cannot become dependent upon the provision. I am still the provider. Some years ago, I don't know if I told you this story, but I'll tell it again. Some years ago, you'll know if I told you. <coughs> Just thinking that you never <laughs> Some years ago, my father passed in church. And if you remember Oral Roberts, he had a magazine called Healing Waters. They would pray over the magazines in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then they were sent out to people. My father had a board secretary in one church who was suffering with much sickness. And he said to his wife, well, he had gone to the Pentecostal church, and well, I had gotten healed, but he said, I guarantee you. He said, if you will put the healing waters and Oral Roberts' lady's hand down and put it under my pillow, he says, I'll be healed tomorrow. So he says, I'm going to put the healing waters under my pillow. They had their lunch, went to bed. After he got in bed, he realized he had forgotten to put the paper under his pillow. So he grabbed the paper in the darkness, shoved it under the pillow, went to sleep. In the morning when he got up, she had been up earlier, earlier than him and had his breakfast. Came down and she said, how are you? He said, good. She said, great, I was just up and made the bed while you were getting ready to come for breakfast. And she said, you're feeling good. He said, listen, I told you, if Oral Roberts' healing waters paper went under my pillow, I'd be better. She said, well, I'm glad that Oral Roberts healed you. But she said, I want to let you know, you didn't sleep on the healing waters. You slept on the grandfather's appetizer. <laughs> Here today, today, we are not trusting in the provision. We are trusting the provider. It is him that sustains. It is him that provides. It is 
It is Him that saves. And we don't put our confidence in anybody else today but Jesus. So when the problems of life come, when we are driven from the brook, when the brook dries up, we just trust continually in a God who knows the beginning and the ending. He knows what's best for you and He knows what's best for me. Many times we're quick to question God and say, God, why in the world did you allow the brook to dry up? Why in the world did you stop the ravens from coming to feed me? But you see, God knows better than you and I will ever know. God understands why we are where we are. And I believe that God needs us. How do I know? He met a woman at a well. He met a man on a tree. He met a blind man by the road and he healed him in near Jericho. He met Jairus and saw that his daughter had been raised from the dead. That same God is walking into your life today despite the circumstance that you might find yourself in. We need to step, we need steps to blessing. We need to stop questioning God. We need to stop blaming ourselves. We need to stop listening to the devil. And we need to stop looking at others. If, if Elijah had questioned God, he would have died by the brook chair. If he blamed himself and said it's because I made a mistake, he would have died by the brook, the dried up brook. If he had listened to adversity that the enemy tries to put into our minds, he would have died by the brook. They had looked at others and seen Jezebel have prospering, and he wasn't. He would have died by the road. So from this experience in life, Elijah says, listen, it doesn't matter if bad things happen in your life. You serve a good God. He's with you. He understands what the brook dried up. Watch with me, the Chinese theologian said, because of our promise to look at the bucket, and forget the fountain. God has frequently to change his means of supply to keep our eyes fixed on the source. Who's your source today? Your source is none other than God Almighty. It is God and Him alone. Thirdly, this evening, I want to talk about the pursuit of greater. You see, God had a plan for Elijah. And the dried up brook was going to bring him into a greater dimension than he had ever been in. So stop grumbling about your dried up brook and say, God, where are you leading me to now? What great blessings have you in store for me? Now I look over my short life, and I am glad that he dried up a few brooks in my life. I'm glad that he dried up some roots and said, get up and go forward in God and believe for the supernatural, believe for the miraculous. You don't need to be by the brook all the time, but I have something greater for you. Verses 12 and 16 and verse 23. Elijah's first hiding place was by the brook. And now the second hiding place would be in a widow's house. Can you imagine? Now hear me. If he had stayed by the brook, there was a widow that would never have known what the miraculous power of God could do. If he had not got up from the dried up brook, she would have lost everything she had. 
But because the prophet of God got up from the dried up road and said, you're leading me into a greater dimension. You're leading me into a greater supernatural. Because of that, it was able to touch a family by God's blessings. I pray again, oh God, get us to the place where we trust God and believe God for everything. My wife's grandparents were pastors. Some of you older people will know how we worked years ago. The pastors were not on salaries. They lived on time. So whatever people paid in their tithes was the pastor's living. That was great if the pastor had a large congregation like Gary, but many of our pastors were in small little outdoor islands and coastal communities where there was little employment and few people. My wife's grandparents were preaching on Samson's Island that has been resettled for more than 50 years. They were on Samson's Island preaching. When they went to Samson's Island, they bought a big barrel flower. Any of you old enough to remember? Harvey Kaplan, I'm sure you do. Remember the barrels of flour? Remember them? I don't, but anyway, I know some of you do. <laughs> barrels of flour. They had them shipped out in the boat. I've heard my wife's grandfather say the winter came out. When the spring approached and the ice broke up, there were no skidoos. When the ice broke up, the flour barrel was completely empty, Pastor Jerry. Completely empty. Now back then, many of you remember, if you had nothing else to eat, you made bread. Many of you wouldn't remember those days. My wife's grandmother, who was also an ordained minister of the gospel, looked at her husband. She said, what are we going to do? She said, we got children, and there's no food in the house, and there's no food in the community, Harvey. What are we going to do? My wife's grandfather remembered five feet tall, little tiny man. You know what he did? He took the two or three children to me at the time, and he got them to come over to the flower barrel. And he asked them to stick their heads in the flower barrel. And he told them, we're going to start to sing as your heads are stuck down in the flower barrel. Praise God, brother, whom all blessings flow. Remember the doxology we used to sing one time? Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And they prayed and they sang in the empty barrel. They weren't they out of their minds. While they were still standing at the barrel, a knock come on the door. Mr. Alan Potter, who later went to Toronto as a big businessman and later moved back to Lewis Ford a millionaire, he knocked on the door of the parsonage. He said, Pastor Perry, he said, I was over to Lewis Ford after the ice broke up to get some supplies for our store. And he said, I felt to buy you a flat barrel of flour. And I've got some other things for you too. At that moment, my wife's grandfather said we might have come to the end of the barrel. But at that moment, he taught their family that even when the needle barrel is empty, God still knows where they are. God still knows their circumstance. And God brought them into a greater dimension. That moment, my wife's grandparents, they never once more worried if God was going to supply their need. They knew God was indeed going to supply their need. Here, the pursuit of greater as we move on this evening. You see, God could have kept the water flowing, but in doing this, Elijah would trust the provider and not the provision. 
only bless Elijah, but he would bless others through Elijah. Here Elijah would see greater blessings. The barrel of meal and the cruise of oil would multiply. At the dead sun brought to life, God made, made a change in the food supply for a while. But it's never boring. Can you imagine Elijah? He was Pentecostal. I tell you what would have happened. When the brook dried up, he would have stood by the brook and he would have said, Where's God to now? He brought me here. He brought the ravens and the food. And now he's going to let me die. But a brook. What kind of a God is that? It's so easy that it costs us. I've been in the ministry now over 25 years. And there are times I get frustrated. And I say that tonight. When I visit Pentecostal people who are born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, believing people. And I visit them. And the first thing something goes wrong, they blame God, they question God, and they give up on their walk with God. Listen. You're only serving God for all the blessings you've got. You've missed the dimension that is all about our spirituality. You see, you know what? I'll never live in a mansion. Tell you the truth, I don't want to live in one. All I want is Jesus. And we have a generation that have drifted from the message of the gospel. I want Jesus. And whatever benefits come with it, let it come. But I pray every day of my life, Lord, let me never lose the vision of Jesus. So that I might see God in his fullness. But I'm glad he got up from the road. And he walked into the town. And here's the preacher. Imagine if I visited you tomorrow and said, give me a glass of water now and give me some bread. That's what he did. He saw a little widow woman. And if you study Israel history, you will notice that because she was a widow, she was destitute. There were no social nets. There were no government assistance. She had to try to make it on the little bit of means she had with the son she had. And then the preacher says to her, I want something to eat. She says, well, that's all I got. I don't have very much. I don't have very much. Well, he says, I still want it. The woman's assets were few. A little oil in a flax. A handful of barley in a large grain jar. And a few sticks to provide the fuel for the fire. But Elijah's assets were great. For God Almighty had promised to take care of him. To take care of the woman. And to take care of the son. What is the lesson to be learned here? Sometimes God dries up our brooks, brings us to our last moment so that he might bring us into a greater dimension. But it's up to you. Are you willing to stay by your dried up brook and die there? Not me, sir. I'm not staying by the dried up brook. God's got better for me than to stay and well in my self-pity. I'm going to rise up from the dried up brook and I'm going to say, God is greater. God is greater for me. And I'm stepping into the dimensions that God has for me. Why would you want to die by the brook when God is a greater blessing? Just waiting down the road. God is a greater dimension for your life. And God is speaking to you today. So we bring this to a close tonight. The musicians can return. I have planned to sing something else. 
But I feel that we should sing what we sang this morning about Mother Mary as an end of us. And we're going to sing that in just a moment. I can't trust Jesus. Elijah was living in a different day. Does this sound like the day we're living in? Israel had gone from bad to worse. The cup of her iniquity was filling to the brim. Religion was just a name. Jehovah was no longer worship. A person loves. They had become distant from God. Faith was darkened into disbelief. And the nation of Israel had revolted against God and was now ruled by an evil king. The end must be at hand. The iniquity of the land cried to heaven for vengeance. There was a sense of doom and gloom. Jezebel, the wicked queen, prospered. The prophet ran for his life. But you see, Elijah proved here in this scripture proved in this scripture that God was still present. And while many times we have questions, and there seems to be no answers, we place our trust in God because there is a better day coming. There is a miracle. There is the manifestations of His Spirit. You don't need to live in death, depression, and despondency. You don't have to well while you're drying a brook. But God can turn your situation around. God can take the little bit of meal and the little flask of oil and He can multiply it over and over and over again. Can God restore my marriage? Yes, He can. Can God restore my mind? Yes, He can. Can God restore my soul? Yes, He can. Can He restore my body? Yes, He can. He can do the impossible. Elijah. He recognized when he got into the house of the little widow that God was going to do something great through him that would be forever recorded in the land of Israel. So the next time God dries up your brook and you're no longer being fed by the ravens, you're no longer drinking from the clear water and you wonder why, listen to the voice of God. He's drawing you and bringing you into a greater dimension of the supernatural and of his presence. Do I believe it? Indeed I do because I've experienced it. You see, we fail to hear his voice and what he is saying to us. We blame others. God and ourselves and willow and self-pity. And that's why we remain by the dry up road. We assume this is our lot in life. And we live below our privileges. Well, guess what? This is not my cross to bear. This is not my lot in life. But God has promised to me the benefits of heaven. God has promised to me that if I follow Him, He will supply all of my needs through his riches in Christ Jesus, they are mine. Tonight, as we bring this quickly to a close, like Elijah old, we rise up and we say, listen, thank you, Lord, for the dry up brook. Thank you for sustaining me in that time of my life. But bring me into the widow's house. Show me the oil that will be multiplied and the meal that will be multiplied. Show me the dead boy brought to life. God can turn your situation around. As I say these last words. Some of you are here in this service and you're already saying, but Pastor, you don't know where I am right now, right now in my life. You don't know the setbacks we've had. 
You don't know the stress that we are under. You don't understand, Pastor, how desperate we are. No, I may not. But I point you to a God who knows where you are and will tell you to get up from your dried up road. Turn it over to God and God will lead you like he did Elijah into great blessings. You will not trust in him. Let's begin to sing this for a moment as we pray in this service. Oh, let's sing together and let's pray as we sing
and your hand to someone near you. Say, that's it. I'm not staying by this dried up room any longer, but I need to know God's presence again real in my life. Will you come as we sing it together, saints of God? We can pray for those who need to come this evening. Let's sing it together.
Savior and say, yes, Pastor, I want everything God has for me. And I want to live in the supernatural. Will you come? You're here. You still haven't made a commitment to Christ. Why don't you come with the saints this evening and leave transformed by the power of God. Let's sing it together. And you don't have to know how to pray.
Yeah.